we are in a new sermon series called Committed to Memory. You know, one of my uh, very first passages to memorize is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have... Yeah. <laughs> it's passages like this that reminds me of God's goodness, his grace, his mercy, and his love on us. And this month we'll be looking at four popular passages, and our challenge to you for this month is to memorize and to meditate on these passages. Well, this past Wednesday, uh, my kids, uh, Joel and Ivy, had an Awana uh, celebration night. What is Awana? So Awana is, um, is a discipleship program that walks kids from pre-K to high school. Um, they walk the Bible with them. They teach the Bible. It's a discipleship program for the kids, and part of that program is to encourage students uh, to memorize Bible passages. And I'm so proud of my kids because in the last nine months, they have memorized over 60 passages. 60 passages. I'm like, wow, I don't think I was able to do that when I was at their age. But what I'm most proud of is that they have chosen to keep God's word within them. Last week, my, my family and I attended an Angels game, and we received a free gift. This Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi bobblehead with angels. It's from the angels. I'm a Padres fan. <laughs> I'm a Padres fan, and I'm not, um, you know, I'm not a diehard Star Wars friends, fans. Scott, sorry, I, I know you're, you're probably judging me right now, Scott. I know it, you know, because I'm a Padres fan, but I still love you. I still love you. But, right, this free gift that, that we receive, it's, it, there's, no, there's not much value in this. Ah, I see some of you are like, ah, don't do that. Ah, there's a bobblehead in it. I assure you there's nothing inside. It's safe. You know what I mean? You know, because I could, you know, probably make some money off of that, you know, for, you know, if you are a collector, that is probably a hot commodity. But there is no value in that for me. But what if I needed a new kidney and someone donated that kidney to me? The value of that free gift would be tremendous. It's a gift that would impact and transform my life. You see, not all gifts are valuable. And so the question for us is this, have you received a gift that was life-changing? Have you received a gift that was life-changing? Well, this morning we'll be looking at God's gift to us, and that is we are saved by grace through faith. 
We are saved by faith through grace. So our first passage to memorize uh, this week is in the book of Ephesians, right? And Paul is writing this letter to the church of Ephesus, addressing all Christians, reminding them of who they once were and who they are now. So if you have your Bible, would you turn with me to, uh, to our passage in chapter 2, verse 8 to 10? But I want to back up a bit to verses 1 to 7 for some context for us. Verses 1 to 7 reads this, if you are there. It says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in his mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And so Paul is, is taking them down this valley of who they once were, right? Dead in their transgressions and sins. And he brings them out of the valley, and he tells them that because of God's great love for them, his rich mercy made them alive in Christ so that they may see God's grace in Jesus. And so our passage picks up from here in verse 8. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Right? He's, he's reiterating Verse 5, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So there are two points uh, that we can draw from this passage. One is, how are we saved? And two is, why are we saved? So point one, how are we saved? Let me first talk about how we are not saved. Look at verses 8 and 9. Three times Paul states that it's not about us. He says, not from ourselves not by works, and that no one can boast. When we see a word or a subject multiple times, we want to pay attention to that because it's important. 
Paul mentions that salvation is not from ourselves. So going back to verses 1 and 3, in our former life, we were spiritually dead. Someone who is spiritually dead cannot save themselves. Just like a dead person cannot revive themselves. Only the act of God can bring them back or intervene in that. Paul also mentions not by works because one cannot earn or achieve a free gift. I didn't achieve that free gift that I got. I didn't earn that, right? which I'll talk a little bit more later. And lastly, Paul mentions so that no one can boast. Salvation is a free gift which costs a life that cannot be earned. The death of Jesus was that cost. Therefore, no one can boast about that. Right? This is God's great love and mercy for us. Can you imagine a conversation if people were to boast about what they've done? Bro, I've led 30 people to Jesus. I'm killing it. Killing it. Well, I've read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation like 50 times. Another person might say, well, I've memorized the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Now, I'm not saying that these things are are bad things, okay? I'm not saying that. But when pride creeps in, and if we're not careful... We forget that it's not about us. See, it's about what God has done for us and continues to do in and through our lives. So how are we saved? Look at verse 8 and 9 again. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is a gift of God. So what is grace? It's the unmerited favor of God towards the undeserving. By his grace, we have been saved through faith. Let that sink in for a bit. By his grace, we have been saved through faith. Have you experienced God's grace? Listen to what Tim Keller says. If you have been raised in a church or around the church or Christians, and Christianity has not been a life-changing power for you, and it has not been a power that you see changing from the inside, if that has not been your experience, then it's probably because you don't understand the grace of God. So if we haven't experienced a life-changing power inside of us, we must ask ourselves, do we understand God's grace and see that we are sinners? Corey Ten Boone, a Holocaust survivor uh, of World War II, was asked to speak uh, in Germany at a, um, at a conference about forgiveness of Jesus. After giving her message, she was approached by a Nazi guard from the concentration camp 
where she had been held and where her sister Betsy had died. When she saw the man's face, she immediately recognized him as one of the camp's cruelest and most vindictive guards. After her message about forgiveness, he came up to her and asked, Will you forgive me? Here's what Corey writes. I stood there. I, whose sin had again and again been forgiven and could not forgive, Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of will. The will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me. I pray silently. The current started in my shoulders, raced down my arms, sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole body, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried. With all my heart, I forgive you, brother, with all my heart. I have never known love so intensely as I did then. But even then I realized it was not my love. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, Corey not only showed what forgiveness looks like, she demonstrated what grace is. Here's a man that deserved the death penalty. And all of his past was wiped away. Not because of what he's done to earn her grace, but what Corey did. She had grace on him. What a powerful demonstration of grace. Someone who has hurt you physically, mentally, spiritually. Did I say physically? All of that wiped away. Now, I'm not minimizing the pain that she went through. That was her experience. And I'm sure it took years for her to recover, years for her to process all of that hurt and that pain. And that's important. And I love what she said at the end. I realized it was not my love. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, I don't believe that Corey was able to say and do what she did without experiencing a life transformation from the inside out. She understood grace. I, whose sin had again and again been forgiven. Her sin has again and again been forgiven. Do you see it, church? Has God's grace changed you?
Another outlook from this story is that the man probably experienced a life-changing power as well. That someone had grace on him. Can you imagine the spiritual weight and conviction that he was carrying? Here are some thoughts that he might have. I'm not good enough to come to you, God. There's not enough good deeds that I can do to earn your favor. How can you love me after all I've done to these people? I'm not worthy of your love, God. I'm not. Can you relate to these thoughts? Are these thoughts preventing you right now not to receive God's grace? Let's look at what Paul says about God's grace. He says that it's a gift of God. God's grace is a gift. Salvation is a gift from God that he freely gives. A gift that is freely given cannot be achieved or earned. But here's the truth that most people struggle with. It's hard to believe and accept grace. It is hard to believe and accept grace. Why? Why is that? You know, the world and our experience tells us that we have to earn acceptance, love, and respect. We have to earn that. The world tells us to be that we got to be the best version of ourselves because it gives us significance and standing before people. It's all me. Me, me. It's all me. It's the American culture that we live in. We have because we've earned it. But the Bible tells us that we have because God's grace. We have because of God's grace. And that is good news for us. Yes, you have worked hard to make a living, staying healthy, all of that. But God has given you the strength to do so. God has allowed you to wake up this morning. God has has given you breath. He's given you this air to breathe. God is not asking us to earn our salvation. He's not. It's his grace that we are saved through faith in Jesus. You see, Jesus did all the work on the cross for us. He has done all of the work on the cross. And we, all we can do is just stand before him and understand that he has done the work. A death that should have been ours, he's taken that from us. And this is the gift that God has given us, and he wants us to have faith in his son Jesus. Because the work is already finished. Now, I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying that don't work hard. That we can sit back and relax and do nothing. That's not what I'm saying. Accomplishment is important, but 
not to make us more acceptable to God. You see, God has a plan for us because he created us for a purpose. Look at what Paul says in verse 10. This is point two, why we are saved. Paul says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Another Bible translation, ESV, if you have that, says this, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we are God's handiwork, his workmanship, a masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus. God has wired us, all of us here, differently. Whether you are a physician, a nurse, a teacher, a janitor, an entrepreneur, in construction or admin, you name it, you are a masterpiece created in Christ Jesus. You are created to do good works and that we should walk in them. See, God has prepared a path of good works for us which he will work in and through us as we walk in faith. We're not doing work for God. I'm going to say that again. We're not doing work for God, but that God is working in and through us. Paul says this in Ephesians 4, 1 to 3, about the path of good works. As a prisoner for the Lord, then... I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. You see, God is not telling us to sit back and watch. Oh, no, he's not telling us to do that. He wants to use us to be a blessing and love on other people just as Christ loved us. So what does this look like? Your job becomes your mission field. Your house becomes your mission field. Where you live becomes your mission field. Your group of influences becomes your mission field. Listen to what Paul says about the work in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. He says this, But by God's grace, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. God's grace is with you. God has put a path before you, and he's asking us to walk in the, that path. You see, Paul experienced God's grace. He knows what he's talking about. His life was changed. 
Let's not forget who Paul was, right? Before Paul, his name was Saul. And when he was Saul, he was out there killing Christians because he believed that they were sending the wrong message about the Messiah. But God got hold of him, and he received God's grace and started running. He's responsible for most of the New Testament in the Bible. Paul ran in what God laid out for him. But he tells us to walk in what God has already prepared for us and allow God to work in and through us because we were created to depend on God entirely. Yeah, you can walk where you can run, but God is asking us to walk in the path that he's set for us. So as I conclude here, it is by grace that we have been saved through faith in Christ Jesus. He accepts us without precondition or complaint. He loves you and me with no condition. I hope God's grace will move us to worship and have genuine humility because there's no room for pride or self-depreciation. The focus is on God's grace and what he has done for us.